0: Revelation 2, verse 9. I'm going to read partway through the verse and then stop. Revelation 2, 9. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. So last time we worked on that about um, works and tribulation and poverty and how our Lord knows that that's our life for the most part, Um, working, trying to do good things, and yet then having troubles, having bad things happen to us, having difficult things we have to work through, and then usually um, we still end up... Uh, more or less in poverty. It's true there are people who end up with so much money in the bank that they don't know what to do with it all. And it's true that we ourselves live very well and we're very thankful for it. But really our life is working and having trouble and then still always it being close whether we can pay for everything that we need to pay for for our necessities or not. Um, the the Lord Jesus is telling us that he, he knows. He knows this. He understands. He's watching over us. He walks among the candlesticks. He knows. And then he's also saying to us that even when your life is a life of work, tribulation, and poverty, if you are in Jesus Christ, you are, are nonetheless rich. Now, we started to work on this last week, and then there is so much um, that the Bible tells us about the sense in which the disciples of Jesus Christ are rich that I didn't want to uh, leave that off. So we had to stop at some point last week, but I'm going to take up there. I'm going to remind you what we read in James, um, where... Whereby the Apostle, the Lord reminds us that God has taken the poor of this world and made them rich in a couple of different ways. First, he's made the poor rich in this life, in this life, while we live here on earth in this life, with good things... That money can't buy. Things that are actually better than anything you can buy with money. The thing that James mentioned is faith. God has made the, some of the poor rich in faith. Well, faith you can't buy with money. You cannot go to Walmart and go to the shelf and get faith and buy it for 9 dollars um, You can't even get it on Amazon. eBay. Uh, You can't get it with money, and yet it's better than anything money can buy. So that's one of the ways that the Lord Jesus um, can say to us, if you are in my congregation, even if your life is a life of work and tribulation and poverty, you are rich. You're rich in things that you cannot buy with money. Then there's also a second sense in which you're rich. You're rich in how you are going to be after life on this earth. You know, you only live so long, and then you die. Or there will be those people at the end who don't die because the Lord Jesus comes back while they're still living. And so there will be the way that you live forever after you die, those who are in Jesus Christ. And in that life, you are to be very rich, and you have the expectation of it already. Now, those two things line up real well with some theological terms that I have encountered several times. I think I've mentioned this to you once, maybe more than once, and I forgot. But in talking about the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the old theologians would say, the kingdom of grace and the kingdom of glory. Not meaning two separate kingdoms, but meaning the kingdom as it is now and the kingdom as it will be when Jesus comes back. The kingdom of grace is how it is right now. To where you can have the saints in Smyrna or here and you don't see them as rich. Um, You know, they're just working, having trouble, and they're poor, but God's grace is rich upon them. They're rich by God's grace, the kingdom of grace, and then when the Lord Jesus comes back, then all who are his will be greatly glorified, and will be in glory with him, the kingdom of grace and the kingdom of glory. And, and so that's really what, it's the same thing that I'm pointing out to you from that verse in James, um, rich in faith as to life now, and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised. So let's look a little bit in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 about this, that first part the kingdom of grace, being rich during this life with things that money can't buy and which things are actually better than anything money can buy. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Before I start reading aloud, let me remind you or teach you what was going on at this time. You know, the first place that God caused the gospel to be preached when Jesus was risen from the dead was at Jerusalem. You know, on the day of Pentecost, and Peter and the others preached to thousands of people, and thousands of people believed and were baptized and added to the congregation. And there continued to be many Christians at Jerusalem for a long time, almost up until when it was destroyed. Well, the gospel then also spread all over that part of the world to where there were congregations in what we now think of as Syria and Turkey and Macedonia and Greece and farther out, too. Well, back at Jerusalem, there was a famine. There was um, you know, bad weather conditions. Crops didn't produce much and so there wasn't as much food as usual, and so all the food costs more, which the rich people, it bothers them some. They have to maybe forego some luxuries, but they can still buy the bread and raisins and grapes and oil and whatever else their diet consists of. But the poor, they usually can only barely afford any food, and when there's famine, They can't afford much of anything. They start to not have enough food, and the conditions got so bad that they were actually beginning to starve to death from not being able to get enough food. That's what it was like for the Christians in Jerusalem at the time this was written. Well, far away, hundreds of miles away in other countries, some of the other Christians were doing fine Maybe they were poor, or maybe they were rich, but things were just kind of normal for them. They um, started to take up a collection to send money to the poor saints in Jerusalem. So Paul and the other people that traveled with him, like Timothy, Silas, others, they were going around to the churches... Receiving that money, collected money, taking it to Jerusalem so the poor saints there could buy food and not starve. Well, there was, uh, in the country of Macedonia, the main city of Macedonia being Philippi, in that place, the Christians were also poor, generally speaking. Not that there was famine there, they weren't as poor as the starving saints in Jerusalem, but they were more or less poor. And so Paul and his friends traveling around did not really expect the Philippians to give any money or very much money to this offering. You know, they, they didn't have much, and so it was expected they're probably not going to give very much. There were places where the Christians had more money, like in Corinth. Okay. And so here's what has happened in Philippi, where the Christians are poor, and what Paul is writing to the Christians at Corinth about. 2 Corinthians 8, starting at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit. We do you to wit. We would never say that anymore, would we? We want you to know. We are going to tell you. We are going to make you know. We do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. The Philippians at Philippi in, Macedon- in the country of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy "...and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality." The subject from Revelation is poverty and riches, right? Being poor and being rich. You can see why I've brought you to this, to this page here in the Bible. This, the talk is about poverty and riches. Verse 3, "...for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves." praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints, and, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, and utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I brought you here to see um, from the scriptures what kind of things is the Lord Jesus talking about when he says, I know your works, your tribulation, your poverty, but... You are rich. Okay. So here are some people... You know, this is not the same city. This isn't Smyrna. It's not even the same country. But it's, these people are in about the same condition, apparently, as the Smyrnians. These Philipp, Philippians in the country of Macedonia. They are having troubles, and they are poor. But look what they look what they have been look what's been going on with them. Verse one moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed. Grace. God favoring you when you don't deserve it. Um more of that, God giving you what you haven't earned and can't earn. Um bringing benefits to you. He looks favorably upon you and then does good things for you because he looks favorably upon you. His grace. These people, the Philippians, in the country of Macedonia, they are having trouble and they're poor, but they are receiving the grace of God. So God doesn't always pour out his grace in dollar bills. He also gives his grace in an even more meaningful way. He, pour, he bestows or pours out his grace on these people who are troubled and poor. And see how what it is that he's pouring out. Verse 2, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality, the abundance of their joy. Um, Brother Rule and Brother Andrew and Brother Alex, think about this for a second, joy. Um, You know, not joy of the child who got a neat present at Christmas, but the joy of the Christian who is in poverty and trouble and yet he has abundance of joy what do you understand that to be what what in your experience combination of what you've read in the bible and experienced in your life what do you what do you say that joy is that the macedonians were experiencing It's not going to go away. Whatever else happens, that's not going to go away. Right. You know that Jesus has died on the cross for you, to save you. And, no, and nobody, did you hear what he said? Nobody can beat that out of you. Um, it's not going to change. Would either of you brothers like to say anything about what joy is? What do you understand it to mean that the Macedonians or Philippians were, were having an abundance of joy And hasn't forgotten you, and it's going to give you a share in the sufferings of Jesus Christ. I'm talking to kind of flesh out what it is, what is this joy? Would you like to add anything, Alex? Um, I think just I, what I've experienced a lot is, you know, under, like like Mr. Manek was saying, understanding your position. Joy, in part, Alex is saying, is that sense that, that God having done so much for us in Jesus Christ, dying for our sins, he then continues to do more for us um, so that we can even enjoy. And so this joy, uh, gladness, um, now I'm going to talk about joy in kind of a trivial or carnal way, just to kind of give an illustration of what that kind of joy is to point your minds to this higher joy. Let's say that at our household, we got, mommy got a text message, Mrs. Bambi Moore said, "Um, do you guys want to come over and play volleyball and Mr. Moore will cook hamburgers? Okay, all of a sudden, everybody's jumping up and down, yelling, uh, we're all happy, okay? There is a kind of joy there. We're going to get to be with people we want to be with, do something we enjoy doing, uh, receive something we like to be given, namely hamburgers, okay? Or like over here, if um, Papa says, we had such a good time at Boomies swimming every day, she wants us to come back and swim every day uh, next week also. You know you know what you would feel like, right? Um, that feeling that you have when you realize good things are going to happen to you. You're going to be receiving things you really like. You're going to get to do things you really want to do. That is just... This much, just a teeniest little bit of what it is to have the joy of the Lord in you. You know, it's not as good, this worldly joy, because sure, if you get to go over to the Moors and play volleyball and eat hamburgers one day, well, the next day you might just be uh, scrubbing the floor and you might be sick in bed, you know, that kind of stuff comes and goes. Getting to go swimming every day at Boomies, that's real nice and everything, but later you come home and you've got to pull weeds and your mom cuts her thumb and it's back to school, you know. That kind of earthly joy just kind of comes and goes. It's only this this good. The joy that's being talked about here that the Philippians in Macedonia had was the joy of the Lord like these men were describing. It's much greater. It does not leave you. It's based on much greater benefits. It's a kind of gladness based on a much greater happiness. Okay. So what the Macedonians were having was an abundance of joy. You know, that's a lot of what it means to be rich, right? When you have... A lot of a good thing, when you have so much of a good thing that you have more than even you need. Um, uh, you know, when when somebody's dipping out the ice cream, and it's not just that there's enough ice cream for one small scoop for everybody, but there's enough ice cream that you can serve everybody all the ice cream you wants, and it's not all not gone yet. An abundance, and that's what the Philippians in Macedonian were experiencing. God was pouring out his grace into them such that they had joy, but they were having an abundance of joy, or if I may put it this way, they were rich in joy. They had not a little, but an abundance of it, okay? So when the Lord Jesus, walking among the candlesticks, knowing everything about us, says, write this to the church, I know that you're working hard, having troubles, and you're poor, but really, you are rich. You know, the kind of thing that he means is, I'm pouring out into you an abundance of joy. Okay? Let's see more there. Um, This is 2 Corinthians 8-2, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy... And their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. You might be looking at a Bible that at the end of verse 2 says some other word besides liberality. If you've got liberality, fine. If you've got some other word, would you read it out? Generosity. generosity. Anything else? I think generosity is what we would more commonly say in our language speech today somebody's being generous Uh, although you might say somebody's being liberal Um, liberal has taken on a political party connotation and so we probably wouldn't say that for that anymore but generosity or liberality Um, a free willingness to give Um, when you have when somebody else is in need you want to give this is characteristic of real repentance unto life. Remember that John the Baptist was preaching that people should repent. And those who repented got baptized and then they said, what should we do? And he said, the one who has two cloaks, give to the one who has how many? None. None. Right. It doesn't say if you've got two cloaks, give to somebody who already has five. Or if you have two cloaks, give to somebody who also has two, then he'll have three and you have one. No, that's not, it's not that. This kind um, of liberality or generosity is when you see that someone has none. Meanwhile, you have some, and especially if you have more than you need, then you want to give. I'm going to give it, that's worked in you by the Holy Spirit in the same work of regeneration that produces saving faith and repentance unto life. So what was going on with the Philippians is that they didn't have much. They were poor. But on the other hand, they weren't starving Whereas the saints in Jerusalem, the famine was so bad and they were so poor, they were actually going without any food and starting to die of starvation. So the Macedonians, their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Okay? Here, here's, here's, a, here's a family... And they've got a loaf of bread for today. And that's what they usually eat. And they wouldn't, be, they wouldn't really be looking to give any of it away, because they need that. But if there is somebody next door who has none at all, then they would want to give some well we can we can make it today on half as much, and then you'll have you'll have what we have and we'll have what you have um, that kind of liberality or generosity it says there in verse two, their deep poverty abounded unto riches of liberality now. In normal life, where Jesus and his Holy Spirit are not involved, this is not how it goes. Here's somebody who doesn't have very much. He's kind of poor. He's got something, but not very much. He does not want to give away any of it. You know, this is mine. I don't have very much. I've only got this much. And you don't get any. I don't care how poor you are. I don't have enough to give any to you. That's normal. But... When people are abounding in the joy of the Lord, when God is pouring out His grace, their poverty springs up into something. It bubbles over in something. Liberality or generosity works something like this. I know that I don't have very much, but I know that Jesus Christ, when He was rich, became poor for my sake. He emptied himself and went all the way to having his clothes taken from him when he was nailed to the cross. Okay. Well then, if I'm poor, I know what it's like to be poor. And I know I'm not so poor that I'm starving. So I'll take some of mine and give it to those who are worse off than I am. Poverty welling up into, abounding unto riches of liberality. Being rich not in money, being rich not in super nice cars, being rich not in fancy clothes and shoes, being rich in liberality or generosity. Would any of you brothers like to help uh, fill in on that idea, help expound that for everybody? And so it says there in verse 3: for Paul is bearing record. Here's what he has seen, because he's been there. Here's what they're doing: they are willing to give everything that it's in their power to give. I'm kind of putting the sentence backward to get the idea um, uh, simplified for us. They're willing. And it says they're willing of themselves. Do you know the difference? Do you know how it happens sometimes? Sometimes I will find one of my sons or daughters washing the dishes. And I'll say, wow, that's great. And the person will smile somewhat sheepishly and say, well, mommy told me I had to. It's my turn. Okay, it's still good to be washing the dishes. But the person wasn't doing it of himself. He was told to more or less made to then sometimes I'll look and I'll see somebody washing the car and I'll think, I don't think anybody told him or her to do that. I'll see somebody vacuuming and I'll think, I don't. and I'll go and ask. And sometimes I find that one of my sons or daughters is working hard, doing good for the family, and nobody told him to. Nobody told her to. You, you understand that. Sometimes there are people who are willing and it's Comes out from inside of themselves. They weren't made to or even told to. They're just doing it of their own willingness. Well, that's what was happening here. See that at the end of verse 3. They were willing of themselves. And what they were willing to do was, at the beginning of the verse, to their power or as much as they were able. Here's somebody, and he has ten silver coins, and he needs three of them to pay the rent and buy food until he gets paid again. Um, and so he's got ten silver coins. He needs three of them. And this this Christian in Macedonia, he says, "You know what? I can give seven. I can give seven of these silver coins to the poor saints in Jerusalem." because I only need three. And they were willing to do that. Now, to have only ten silver coins as, as all the money you have in the world is pretty poor. But it's because of God's grace pouring into them, the joy welling up inside of them, their generosity or liberality was abounding into <laughs> riches of liberality so that they were willing of themselves to give all that was in their power to give. Now it says that they were willing to give more than they had power to give. This is in about the middle of the verse. 2 Corinthians 8.3 For to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. Now, of course, you cannot do something that you cannot do. And when you are giving away to give to the poor... You're not supposed to give away what you actually have to have for yourself. If I have ten silver coins, and three of them, I need for my family. The rent is due and I've got to pay it or we'll be kicked out of our house. Got to buy bread for tomorrow's food. Okay, I need those. I'm not supposed to give them away even if I'm generous. But, if my liberality is very rich, if I'm rich in generosity... I'm willing to give them away. I, I I would if I could. I'm willing to give how much I'm able to give, and I'm actually willing to give more than I have the power to give. If I if I had a million dollars and you needed it, I'd give you the whole million. But I don't. But I do have seven coin I do have ten coins, and I don't need all ten, so I can give you. Some of mine, well, when God is blessing Christians, when God's blessing a congregation, one of the things He does is make them rich in joy and rich in liberality or generosity. Now, I'm going to look down to verse 7. And no, verse 6. Insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. The Corinthians had not yet given money for the poor saints in Jerusalem. And interestingly, in Corinth, things were better. The people there were not really poor. Corinth was one of those places where all the ships pull in and unload and transfer cargo. Um, It was a spot where you could unload there instead of a dangerous uh, sea voyage around the southern coast of Achaia. And so everybody had a good job. Everybody's business was profitable. The people were not, generally speaking, poor in Corinth. But interestingly, as to giving money to the poor saints in Jerusalem... The Corinthian Christians were not abounding in generosity. They were not very rich in liberality. That is a grace from God that, of course, so then they had some of. Every Christian has a measure of all graces, but that particular grace, liberality or generosity, they didn't have that much of. It's kind of like I've been talking to you about patience. Every Christian has at least a little bit of patience, but then it takes time and trouble for you to have lots of patience. And so these people in Corinth had a little bit of liberality or generosity, but not that much. So they hadn't given any money yet, and the, kind of the, the amount of money they were thinking about giving really wasn't all that much. And so Titus is coming. Is that who he said, Titus or Timothy? Titus. Titus. Paul sent him with this letter that we're reading. And so Titus is going to speak to them. Paul is written to them. And it's to try to finish in the Corinthians the same grace that is so well finished in the Macedonians. And so if Titus and Paul tell them about what's going on with the Macedonians, how they're so poor but they're so rich in liberality. Well, then that may help the Corinthians, who are not poor, but are much better off, will help them to grow rich in liberality also. But then look at the things in which the Corinthian Christians already are rich. They already abound. This is 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, now he's going to talk about things that they abound in. Faith, utterance, or speech, ability to speak, and knowledge, and in all diligence or earnestness, and in love, your love to us. Some of the Bible say our love to you. See that you abound in this grace also. You see, the Lord Jesus had not been ignoring the church in Corinth. He had he had been pouring God's grace on them too. They abounded in, or were rich in, faith, utterance, speech, the ability to speak the things of the Lord, to speak to others, your own kids other people in your household, your neighbors, whoever it is, the ability to speak of the Lord to them, knowledge, getting to know what the Bible says and understanding it, and in all diligence or earnestness, that capacity really to work hard and try hard at good things, and in love. See, they were already rich in those things. And then by God's work in them, they were going to become rich in generosity or liberality also. Okay, so, back to the verse in Revelation where we started. Here's how the Lord Jesus works in his people. Here's how he works in the congregations. Often, the life of the Christian, as an individual, as a congregation... Often the life of the Christian is one of work and tribulation, trouble, hardship, affliction, and poverty. That's how it often goes. But when that's the life that Jesus Christ leads you through, you are to be encouraged by understanding those are the things that you can see, you can see how hard you're working how much trouble you're having, how poor you might be, the things that cannot be seen because they're on the inside, in those things, he's making you rich. He's making you abound in them. You'll find that you are becoming rich in generosity or liberality. You're rich in joy. You're rich in faith. You're rich in knowledge. You're rich in utterance. You're rich in love. And so let it be that you're not unhappy because your life is a life of work and trouble and poverty. Let it be that you recognize how wonderfully happy you are, how, wonderful blessed, how wonderfully blessed you are, because in this life, in things that money can't buy, you are rich. Things that money can't buy and things that actually are better than anything money can buy. All right, that's all for now. Let's pray over it.